In the rapidly changing world, healthcare needs are constantly evolving and clinicians need to find new ways to deliver care. And often the best way to do that is by looking back. Without Marie Curie, there would be no pioneering improvements to medical imaging today. If Edward Jenner didn't inoculate a 13-year-old with cowpox, there wouldn't even be a space for Professor Ian Fraser's cervical cancer vaccine. Our clinicians are standing on the shoulders of those who came before them, learning, growing and advancing. Hindsight isn't 2020. It's our future. This year's showcase closed on International Women's Day, and to mark the occasion, we opened with a plenary session featuring remarkable improvement projects led by some of Queensland's brightest women. Leanne Stone, Director of Nursing for the Division of Cancer in Metro South, is leading the way in building an electronic tool to improve the way they use feedback from their patient-reported experience measures, or PRINs, ensuring patients remain truly the centre of care. Good morning, everybody, and thank you very much for the invitation to come and share some of our work that we've been doing at PA around using electronic, actionable patient perspectives. So until recently, definitions of healthcare and quality did not often focus on patients' outcomes or experience of care. There were very few reliable measures to capture perceptions of healthcare quality and be able to guide health service response to their improvement there. Where indicators did exist, they were not standardised across service providers, which limited their usefulness in benchmarking. In 2001, the Institute of Medicine, which I'll refer to as the IOM from here, recognised this in proposing patient-centredness as a key indicator of quality in health service provision. The IOM defined patient-centredness as providing care that's respectful, responsive to the individual patient preferences, their needs and values, and also ensuring that the patient's family are involved as well. This approach emphasised the importance of caring for the patient as a person with holistic needs. A subsequent literature argued that focusing on patient-centred healthcare might improve important outcomes such as mortality, clinical care, disease management, quality of life, and their functional status. This is Princess Alexandra where I work just down the road. It was the first fully digital hospital in Australia and Metro South was the first fully integrated health service in Queensland. The digital health program is rolling out across Queensland and now in 2020 most of the large tertiaries have become integrated into the electronic record. At PA, we're leading digital healthcare and the innovation across Australia, embracing technology to transform the way we care for our patients. Our ambitious digital hospital program ensures clinicians can access patients' medical records quickly and securely from health facilities across the state. Secure access to comprehensive, real-time medical information enables safer, more reliable care for patients, and this improves efficiency, allowing clinicians to spend more time at the bedside with the patient. The IOM recommended that patient-centredness would be best measured across six domains by way of psychometrically sound patient-recorded measures. The six domains broadly encompass care that is respectful of patients' values, care that is coordinated and integrated, 
care that provides information, communication and education, care that ensures physical comfort, care that provides emotional support that relieves fear and anxiety and that it involves family and friends. Patient reported experience measures, and I'll call them PREMS, reflect these ideas. PREMS identify patients' feelings and views on the features of health services that they have used, including interpersonal, clinical, quality care and administrative interactions that they might have with our reception staff. When used to guide practice, PREMS can enable timely, responsive and relevant service delivery that enhances patient outcomes. We've found that since the development of the IOM framework, there was only one instrument which was around indicators for non-small cell lung cancer that really encompassed all the questions across the six domains recommended by the IOM. The limitation of this study was that it was a retrospective data collection from the cancer registry and it was after the patient's treatment, so it really wasn't something that we could measure in real time. So in our study, this is the methodology that we used. We present the results of the co-design and early testing of a cancer PREM, and we call this the PRE-C, or Patient Reported Experience Measure, with ambulatory cancer patients in Australia receiving treatments. In the beginning, we restricted it to chemotherapy, and, and more recently, we've opened it up to patients receiving all forms of cancer. But for the benefit of this presentation, I'm just talking about patients who had chemotherapy. The PRE-C was explicitly designed to meet IOM recommendations for patient-centred care. The objectives of the study were to explore the acceptability of the measure to ambulatory patients, their clinicians and the health service managers. It was to determine the face and content validity, undertake divergent and convergent validity analysis and also to explore the tool's psychometric properties. So the PRE-C instrument itself was a paper-based survey. It was initiated, the study began in 2015, and at this time there was no validated PREM that encompassed all the domains, as I mentioned before. It was an experiential co-design with our patients, with early testing to explore the, the acceptability and the nature of the questions for the patients. The patients were identified through our electronic scheduling system, which is called ESM in the electronic record, and they were eligible if they were 18 years or older, they were currently on their third or more cycle of chemotherapy because we wanted to make sure that they'd actually had some experience of their care so their first visit wouldn't have been useful. And they were able to understand English and were provided with written consent. We began with 29 questions and narrowed it down to 28, including demographics. We used a 10-point Likert scale from strongly disagree up to strongly agree. It takes about five minutes to complete and each item was coded so that we had a dichotomous problem score at the end. So we recruited 414 patients who were ambulatory chemo patients on cycle three, as I said. We did an exploratory factor analysis and we found that six of the 28 questions needed to be revised because there were some problems with them. Some of them were better fit in other domains, some did not appear to measure as we intended. And a lot of this was based on what the consumers told us themselves. The particularly problematic items were items that explored cultural preferences and the financial impact of their treatment. And we didn't exclude any of the questions, but what we actually did was reword them so they made more sense in the way the survey was delivered. So these are the demographics of the survey. Uh, we ended up including 392 participants in the analysis. The mean age of the participants was 58 years of age and about half of them reported their education rather as a TAFE education or a trade certificate. 
53% of the participants reported their ethnicity as Caucasian and their employment was either a pensioner or other and that's probably a pretty good capture of the demographics of the patients that use our service on the south side. So we're moving now from the paper-based survey into where the electronic medical record was introduced in our service and we're talking about a redefining of care delivery. Centralised digital command centres to support decision-making and clinical continuous monitoring now facilitate opportunities to innovate and provide new patient interactions via electronic pathways. The opportunity to capture this information in real time and make it visible and actionable to clinicians has not been achieved in cancer care before. Historically, this would have been done in our service by telephone or by a written complaint or compliment. So, for example, our patients are all managed by cancer care coordinators in a tumour stream fashion. So there is a single point of contact for our patients apart from their normal services with their GP. And if they have a problem with a patient experience or a patient-reported outcome measure in terms of a symptom, they'd ring up and leave a message perhaps on the telephone which may not be picked up over time till the next day or perhaps even if it's delivered on a Friday afternoon till Monday morning. And this is really inefficient. It doesn't get into the record unless the clinician actually then writes it or, or types it into the record. And it was really inefficient and we wanted something that would capture this work real time. We recognise that robotic process automation and artificial intelligence can allow caregivers to spend more time providing care and less time documenting it. Operational efficiencies through technology that support digital supply chains and automation, like you can see here, is something that we find an opportunity for us to embrace in the cancer care setting. Robotics and next generation interoperability can turn the process of generating and testing hypotheses in research studies over to algorithms which may be able to adapt new data over time. Um, cancer care services at Princess Alexander has embraced these new technologies and we've been deploying things like tablets and mobile phones and of course the app that I'm going to introduce you to shortly. And we've even used Tessa the robot that you can see here to deliver the surveys and relay the information in this early phase of research work. Tessa has an iPad for a face, you can see there behind her eyes and you can bring the survey up. It was a great interaction and a bit of fun but it's probably not something that's going to be sustainable into the future because the patients prefer to actually use their own device. So here we will talk about electronic actionable patient perspectives. We've called this the EAP. Robust assessment of patient reported experience of cancer care provision ideally recognises the philosophy of patient-centred care in accordance with the IOM parameters. Responsive assessment can enhance cancer service delivery, particularly when it's harnessed in a digital healthcare platform. This enables the ready redesign of workflows which are responsive to the cancer patient and the family needs. These include all of the domains of the IOM that I mentioned a little bit earlier. Patient reported experience measure or PREMS embodying these domains are increasingly recognised as ethical imperatives. They quantify the patient experience such as communication and shared decision making and in doing so they articulate patient perceptions in a way that can be influencing the way services are designed, they can be integrated, accessed and delivered and most importantly whether services actually meet their needs. There is compelling evidence that the incorporation of PREMS into clinical practice will provide a timely response to feedback, it'll improve clinical outcomes, it'll improve overall quality and safety of care delivery and probably at a similar or reduced cost. So how's this going to work? 
We plan to create a modular knowledge base, we have created a modular knowledge base that triggers automatic actions. These actions comprise prompts to the care team as well as feedback to the patients which flow back into the integrated electronic medical record. So when a patient records a particular score on a Likert scale, it will prompt an action. And that action might be a message straight back to the patient, it might be a message to the clinician looking after the patient, and it'll certainly put a record in the IMR so that when the patient presents at ED or at the clinic the next day, people are aware of that score and what it means. Focusing on improving care delivery that matches patients' expectations and needs from a broader view, including psychosocial, cultural, financial and spiritual aspects, will allow us to assess the extent to which the EAP may enhance service delivery. Some of the ways we might consider that would be determining that healthcare provides a better understanding of the patient perspective when using the app, enabling PREM feedback. We might be able to demonstrate opportunities to enable quality benchmarking, well we know we can do that. We'll be able to record patients' experiences over the entire care journey in the IMR, so whilst we've only been testing it from the third cycle on, there is the ability to trend these experiences over time. We can report and record variations in the experience of different patient subgroups and we can provide relevant information to healthcare providers to enhance quality improvement programs. Another thing that we've been thinking about is whether the EAP use identifies and rewards forward thinkers and early adopters in health services with opportunities to enhance their service delivery. We don't see this as being something that's going to be limited in cancer care. So healthcare is known to be data rich but information poor. Therefore, it's important to collect these PREMs and the data should turn into actionable information. Unfortunately, patient engagement and responses over time have not improved over the years using paper because the paper then has to be collected and analysed and put into a database and something done with it. This initiative shows that we need to not just turn paper-based instruments into an exact electronic copy, but we want something that is much more meaningful and in real time. So we know that 88% of Australians now own a smartphone and so there's significant opportunity to deploy proven technologies that can innovate and increase patient engagement with PREMS while they're outside the hospital and provide real-time actionable insights. These will improve the quality of care, better support clinician decision making, provide a wealth of research opportunities and health policy making and ultimately drive value-based care. So what's it going to add? Our technology provider uh, is a partner in New Zealand that we engage with through the University of Auckland and they're called The Clinician. Their team's going to provide and does provide a cloud-based platform which enables patient outreach, collection and analysis of PREMS throughout the care continuum, both in the clinic and at home. This platform brings real-world experience in driving a high level of patient engagement and response rates. Our rates of response were over 80% which we achieve through mobile apps driven by predictive analytics based on user behaviour and previous responses. So when the patients are doing the surveys, when they get to a certain question and they may have several scores recorded over time, they actually don't need to complete the survey. The machine learning will remember what that response should be and send them a response based on that. So they really don't have to do this you know, quick survey regularly. Furthermore, Zedoc's existing rule-based alerts will be extended to develop the eApp, which will allow for linking of PREMS data to existing clinical and administrative dashboards at PA. So whilst they have their own dashboards, we'll also be able to link into the dashboards that we already use in our clinical practice. 
Furthermore, a summary to the My Health record, which will make this information available to other providers and patients, will be possible. We actually received a grant from the Australian Digital Health Agency to help us complete this work, and they're very interested in having a patient experience measure be pulled up into MyHR. We haven't managed to achieve that yet, but we are well underway to completing that work. EAP will thus support and provide added value to care delivery at the point of care by using real-time patient experience data and through system integration trigger automatic actions and reports with follow-ups and close the loop back to the patient most importantly and also into the record so that we know this work's going on. There were some limitations and constraints as with any project. While there are mixed reports in the literature regarding the effect of patient-reported experiences on healthcare outcomes, there's reasonable evidence in the work that we've done and in oncology that can improve overall outcomes. Therefore, it's assumed that pre-C will provide similar benefits and that's the work that we're about to publish at the moment. The applicability of the eAP is broad. However, in this project, it's constrained by the amount of data points that we could actually use in the pre-C that we validated against the tools that we mentioned earlier. So it's not a given that our results could be applied in every specialty, but we do believe because the tool can be modified that we'll be able to do this. Potential operational constraints, mainly around embedding the collection and use of PREMS and the EAP into already busy clinical and administrative workflows can be an issue, but I think what we need to do is to work together with our patients and our care providers and work out how we can change, because we do know that the way the digital hospital and the integrated record works, it has changed our workflows. Change management can be a potential barrier, but I think we're all already embracing that in our workplaces. Usability aspects, which is a major determinant for patient engagement and response rate, and the mapping of different coding and classification systems has also been a challenge. Certainly putting PDF documents and certain types of documents using various codes into the IMR and up into the MyHR has been um, one of the challenges that has made us go a little bit slow, but I think we're getting there now. A lot of it's impacted on the level of semantic interoperability and hence system integration. We'll talk about the ZOC eAP here and what we're building. We're building a knowledge base which collects responses, existing administrative and clinical information, and also the patient's interactions with the system to combine them into various actions. And these include non-intrusive prompts back to the patient, for example. They're customizable to clinicians. It might be a message in the record. It might be a prompt to a care coordinator. It might be a message in the consultant's message pool and these will be defined in the workflow so that everybody understands what that looks like. We're just in the, in the early phases of putting that into practice as we speak. There's also an opportunity for individual clinicians and administrators to have automated actions so that this can also include sending an education material back to the patient. It might be linking them up to where that sits in the cloud. There's various options there which we're just refining with our research. So as we create these rules based, we are using a knowledge base available, rich with data points. It's very elaborate, the way that we can work this cloud-based system, and we've been able to create actionable insights with the most optimal routing mechanisms. For example, if a patient or groups of patients within a particular age band report discomfort um, while others are not over a period of time, we can organise that they get a prompt back to let them know what the issue is and how we may be able to deal with that. But we don't need to send that to every patient who fits into that group. So it's very selective in the way it delivers these results. 
when we're looking at how to customise these prompts, the EAP allows not only to define prompts or certain actions, but also allows customisation of the content and various routing options. So that's how we'll be able to customise this depending on a tumour group. It might be how we'll shift it into the radiation oncology space or indeed into another service. While less severe prompts can be sent as daily summaries to a group of users, more urgent ones can be sent right to the patient. And we can also talk about closing the loop back into the IMR. In the review of these prompts, we can, as I said earlier, we can link these into the dashboards that we are using at the moment to, as managers of the service to be able to monitor the flow of prompts and see whether they've been received or actioned. So it allows us to see that when a prompt is received, to a patient what the clinician response time is. We might be able to set this as a KPI and be able to benchmark against our peers on how quick we respond to what's happening with the patient and what their experience is and what we can actually do with that. A very important aspect of the eApp is the ability to get feedback from the users and the appropriateness of these actionable insights. And we can continuously learn and adapt as new patients are recruited and they respond. So we'll be listening to what the patients tell us. Is it useful? Certainly in our paper survey with the pre-C, some of the questions we modified based on their feedback. And we'll be able to do the same thing with the patient's experience of this. So as we're using it, we'll be keeping a close track on what we're looking there. I'd like to acknowledge some of the teams that I work with. I didn't do this in isolation. I have a big pre-C team, Sandy McCarthy, Carol Reed, Lee Jones, Monica Jander and Dan Danette Langbacker. The New Zealand team who are developing the software, Ron Tenenbaum, Corey Adelag, Mike Mary, and Tamarin Harkinson. Here at PA, I've had Dan McEvenar, Fung Lee, Michael Henderson, Nicole Ed, and Renee Collins. And at PA, I've got a great band of helpers, particularly Mark Ansell, who you saw with Tessa the Robot. He's an um, enrolled nurse who's been collecting a lot of the surveys. As always, thank you for listening to our podcast and taking the time to learn about the wonderful work of Queensland's frontline clinicians. To continue the conversation, head on over to Facebook and let us know of any pockets of excellence you think deserve to be showcased. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Clinical Excellence Queensland.